I just hate Mondays so much. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, do you need a tune-up today? Do you need to have a fresh look at some things that are happening around you? You know, I'm going to tell you about a couple friends I had the privilege of talking to this week. One being Jesse Cole, the owner of Savannah Bananas. What do you do when you have a professional baseball team and then this thing comes along and nobody can come to baseball games anymore? Well, you got to think differently. And Jesse does. I talked to Jeremy Cowart who's a professional photographer. What do you do when all of a sudden nobody can come to your studio? You can't travel with celebrities. You can't go places and speak like you were scheduled to do. Well, if you are a Jeremy Cowart, you recognize you have a blank canvas. What does an artist do when they have a blank canvas? They start creating something new. Well, these guys are doing that. I'll tell you about that and more. Here's some questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, I just hate Mondays so much. I always feel a bit off when I have to start my work by coming into my job because I just hate it so much. How about this? I was wondering if you think your book would have value for a retired person who's feeling at loose ends and wants to be more anchored and focused. My husband and I have been trying to figure out how to find success. So many things have failed and now we're in our mid-40s. Wow, what do you think? Is it too late? We're in our mid-40s? Probably just kind of time to coast into the grave. Well, that's not likely to be my approach. We'll talk about that. Dan, am I guilty of overreading? And then somebody wants to know, what is the ethical way to leave my current company and take clients with me? Well, we'll talk about all of those. If you got a question you want to submit, I'd be delighted to look at it. Just shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, here's our quotation for today. It comes from Joseph Campbell. He's a really creative kind of guy. We refer to him now and then. He said, people suffer when they chase a dream that doesn't belong to them. What do you think? Is the dream you're chasing your own or is it somebody else's? I've worked with a lot of people who were had fancy degrees behind their names, attorneys, dentists, physicians, pastors, engineers, accountants, engineers, so on and so forth. And they realize you know, at 40 years old, gee, this is somebody else's dream, not my own. You want to make sure you're chasing your own dream. I'll tell you how. Our resource for today is that we got a readiness quiz. You know, so many of the questions relate to doing something on your own, just taking that gentle kind of move from maybe being an employee, working for somebody else, chasing somebody else's dream, and now you want to do something in your own. So we got a readiness quiz. Do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? I've got 18 questions. You can go through, just ask yourself those. If you just go to 48days.com slash entrepreneur, you'll find that readiness quiz. Again, it's 48days.com slash entrepreneur. Well, a couple of good news items here. Kevin Costner, you know, the actor, has a new app that tells history stories about places where you're driving. Now, here's how this works. You know, it used to be, of course, if you want to know something about history, you get out the Encyclopedia Britannica. Remember those? 
Wow, you'd have a big set if you were lucky enough to have them at your house. You'd pull that out and you'd read about a particular place. Well, technology opens up some new opportunities. How would you like to be driving through Yellowstone Park and have an app that comes up automatically recognizing where you are? Of course, it's not difficult for your phone to know where you are. So in recognizing where you are, it says, hey, here's a little bit of background about where you are right now. So it gives you that input. Well, Kevin Costner is a big fan of history. He wanted something just exactly like I'm describing and created it. So the narration includes Kevin Costner, and I'm going to give you a link where you can go and actually hear him do a little clip. It also includes uh, Coach Phil Jackson and others who tell stories about points of interest. It could be a region, about native tribes, about the local history of war that happened in that place, or art, or a culinary tradition, and and more. So uh, the app is Hear, Hear, and that's H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E. So it's here, here, and they've got a lot of stories right now for California, Oregon, and Washington, but I just checked it a little bit ago, and they're already expanding over in the east, got some things over here in Florida, Tennessee, the Carolinas, so you can check it out. Now, it, it says it's $49.99 a year, and you can get it, though, through the end of August at half off. Now, I went to the site and got it absolutely free. I suspect what I got, though, really is a free trial where it's going to come along and then remind me, okay, if you want to continue this, you're going to have to pay for it. I suspect that's what it is. Anyway, but think about the technology there. The technology is not difficult, but it's somebody who took just an idea that makes a lot of sense, put it together. Can I share stories like this to encourage you who may have a a similar kind of idea. Or this may be one of those, well, I thought of that two years ago kind of thing. Well, Kevin Costner did something with it. I think it's a pretty cool kind of thing. Check it out again. Go to hearhear.com. That's H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E.com. Now, here's another good news. A note, this comes from a listener, Camila who says, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for being such an encouragement for me during a time when I thought my world was over. I lost what I thought was my dream job. And the first book I read after emerging from my dungeon, dehydrated from crying so much, was 48 Days to the Work You Love. I then proceeded to read several other books that you suggested. Most recently, after speaking to a friend of mine who said, I just hate Mondays so much. I always feel a bit off when I have to start my work by coming into my job because I just hate it so much. I remembered that you had also written a book called No More Mondays. This friend of mine was an old pal from high school that I hadn't seen in 20 years, so I decided I would buy your book as a gift um, because we were going to be meeting again for coffee. Admittedly, it was a little bit selfish because I knew there'd be enough time between the time the book was delivered and the time we were scheduled to meet for me to read another of your books. And boy, oh boy, did you deliver. So the dream job that I lost was teaching for the Department of Defense overseas in Japan. I spent one year there before having to return back home, and I was heartbroken, completely devastated. Well, long story short, after reading 48 Days, I decided I did not want to teach anymore. My heart was no longer in it, so I decided to do do some soul searching and discover what God's purpose was for my life. For whatever reason, I kept having this idea about a product that I saw in Japan that they don't have here in the States. 
It was an nagging thought that would just not leave me alone. I thought, man, if I could just discover a way to duplicate this idea, but I need to develop it, produce it, get a patent. I'm sure, I need a lot of money to get it off the ground, but the idea kept coming up over and over again in my head, and I would just dismiss it as wishful thinking. I wouldn't even know where to start developing something like this. Then I came upon chapter 10 in No More Mondays on page 206. You suggested that we check products being sold in foreign countries and proceeded to explain briefly about a guy who became a U.S. distributor for a foreign wagon. That was it. I actually just came upon that part today, decided this is what I'll pursue for months now, almost eight to be exact, I've been completely lost trying to figure out what to pursue. I believe there's a reason that God did not allow this thought about this product to go away. I believe that there's a reason why God led me to your book and then to my friend who just happened to utter the words, I hate Mondays, which led me to the other book. Thank you, Dan. Well, and she goes on to explain how she's going to explore becoming a distributor for that product. Now, that's a very legitimate road to take. I mean, a lot of times you're better off And keep in mind, who makes the money? The person who makes a product or the person who sells it? Well, it's the person who sells it, always. You don't have to be that ingenious. There's a whole lot of good ideas already out there where people just haven't come up up with a marketing plan. And if you can bring an idea to this country as an idea or even to your part of the country. I mean, there's a guy who made millions and millions of dollars because he brought Orange Julius to the Midwest as a product that had been discovered and was being promoted out on the West Coast, out in California. Well, there's certainly ways that you can do that. Explore becoming a distributor. Camille, you can reach out to the company that has this product. Simply tell them what you're interested in doing. I mean, it doesn't matter that you're not a big company of some kind. Companies often are looking for people who are willing to promote a product that they have and will make you a distributor. Typically what you do is get a product at 50% off what it's being sold for retail. Companies will do that readily if you're going to promote it. And then you can decide what you're going to price it at. Now, in this case, you have to account for shipping cost and shipping times. When it comes from overseas, there's always a lengthy delay so be realistic about that, but certainly an idea that you can pursue. Thanks for, thanks for your note, incidentally. Love your enthusiasm about where you are and the opportunities you're looking at now. Now, this comes from Jeff. He says, hi, Dan. About two months ago, I picked up 48 Days to the Work You Love. I uh, can't say enough good things about it. I'm now a regular podcast listener as well. I'm 62 years old and learning more about myself now than any other time in my career or life. The DISC profile was more valuable to me than any other assessment tool I've ever used in the past. And he lists some that he's used. I value your feedback in my current situation. I've been laid off due to COVID, and I put together my strategy for getting a new job in 48 days. However, I have two challenges. Due to COVID, no one is in their office to receive mail or a phone call. Also, many people are not forwarding their office phones to hear their cell phones. Since I'm in technology, I decided to execute the 48 days plan through a LinkedIn in-mail campaign. However, I'm not able to send a month, a second in-mail, um, my follow-up with resume, unless the contact responds to the first one. Have any of your subscribers experienced similar challenges and figured out a way to apply your approach successfully in this pandemic environment? I welcome your thoughts and direction. Yes, 
Now, Jeff, yeah, there are some of those things that you're describing that aren't going to work well right now. This is when you get creative. Instead of going through LinkedIn with their structured kind of process, just send directly to those people. Send messages, send voice messages. Be creative in whatever you do. Show up. I mean, find out where companies are. Show up. There's still people there and more and more, there are people coming back to physical locations. They may have just a skeleton crew there and may give you an opportunity to talk to people higher up the chain, so to speak, by just showing up now than ever before. Then it would be possible if they had their full staff back again. Just get creative. And I'm going to be telling you about some creative things that other people are doing as well as we go through here. Mary Kay says, Dan, I just heard you on Roger Whitney's podcast. I thought I would send you a quick question. I got the feeling on Roger's podcast, and incidentally, Roger is that Roger has Rock Retirement Club. So he has a big community of people who are in or approaching retirement. So Mary Kay says, I got the feeling on Roger's podcast, your book was aimed at people who are still working and either lost their job or were needing a a change in jobs. I was wondering if you think your book would have value for a retired person who's feeling at loose ends and wants to be more anchored and focused. I couldn't tell from your conversation if your book would be helpful to me or not. Thanks, Mary Kay. Well, Mary Kay, as a matter of fact, I spend a lot of time talking to people who are in or approaching retirement. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be back in Roger's community live of just in a few days where we're going to be talking to his community about the issues that they're confronted with in retirement. And here's the thing. A lot of people get to retirement and they've never taken the introspective look that I lay out in 48 Days to the Work You Love to really look at how has God gifted you in terms of skills and abilities, personality tendencies. What are those recurring values, dreams, and passions? For a lot of people, they've never done that. They got out of school, got a job, boom, they worked all the way through. Now they're retired. And now is the perfect time to take that fresh look at who you are and what the possibilities are for this next season in your life. So I hope this doesn't sound like I'm just promoting my book for everybody, but we get a lot of feedback from people who are, in fact, in retirement, uh, just like the, well, well, we've got a couple others coming up here as well. But yeah, it's totally something that people in retirement are finding. Help them get focused and excited about the next season in their life. Here's a note from Patricia who says, my husband and I have been trying to figure out how to find success. So many things have failed, and now we're in our mid-40s with my 80-year-old father to take care of. Can you give us insight? Well, Patricia, your, your question is short and sweet. I love it, but the process is very much the same where you want to draw that line in the sand, look inward. Your process of finding success, I don't know what you've tried so far, but you may have gotten a course, tried a multi-level marketing company, uh, taken a job a couple different places. Those are all things that should give you more clarity about what perhaps you do not want to do. But the process for finding where you will find success is the same process. What is it that you do well? And not only what it is you have the ability to do well, but what you enjoy doing well. What is your personality tendencies? How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments are you most comfortable in? Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? Are you energized by being around people or ideas? You know, understand those things about yourself will help you find 
where you will find success. And if you're mid in your mid forties, you got enough life experience that you ought to be able to look back on that and see those recurring patterns. You ought to be able to recognize when is it that you are in your zone. We talk about athletes being in their zone. When you just feel like, oh my gosh, everything comes together. This is what I was born to do. You ought to have periods of time like that. But it's in those areas of reflection and introspection that you get clarity about where you're going to find success. And it's going to be unique to you. And remember, you know, our, our opening quotation today said, people suffer when they chase a dream that doesn't belong to them. Don't get caught up trying to pursue somebody else's dream. Make sure it's your own. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples here. Friends of mine that I talked to just in the last couple of days who are doing things very differently because of this crisis that we're in. The one being Jesse Cole. Jesse Cole is the owner of Savannah Bananas. So it's a baseball team in Savannah, Georgia. What are you going to do when you have a stadium where you can no longer have people come in? Well, yes, you can. You just have to be creative in how to do that. But here's some of the things that Jesse is doing. Now, Jesse took over an old dilapidated stadium where a pro team was drawing three or 400 fans when they would play a game. He came in and with the creative kind of things that Jesse does, he would sell it out 4,000 seats, sell it out 26 games in advance. Well, then along came COVID. So things changed, but you know what? He's having games Now they do social distancing. So they sell 2,000 seats rather than 4,000. 2,000, they're sold out. That's still a pretty decent crowd to have come out. And when they buy concessions and all that, I mean, they're rocking and rolling. He's doing a lot of things like with drones where he's streaming online for uh, some of the games that they have and allowing people to see it who aren't actually there and getting more and more crowd and publicity because of doing that. He also, he and Emily, I just talked to him this morning. He and Emily, his wife, they've got a little, little boy now Maverick that's starting to show up at games and do things. Now, Jesse does the most creative things I've ever witnessed. When I went and sat in one of his games, I took four pages of notes. Now, I'm not even a sports fan, but the things he was doing were so creative. I mean, he had somebody blindfold a volunteer out of the crowd. Of course, there's thousands of volunteers, but somebody come down, blindfolded him, put him in a 20-foot square that was identified by lines on the edges, blindfolded him, put him on their hands and knees, and somewhere in there's a $20 bill, and you have like two minutes to find it. I mean, just imagine watching somebody do that. This is during a game. So he'd have things like this going on all the time during a game. So it's entertainment. It doesn't matter who wins. People don't really care. They come up because the games are so entertaining. So he's having games right now, having professional players who volunteer to come because they want to be playing. So they come and play, even if they're not being paid, and it entertains the crowd who shows up. But one of the questions they're asking, one of the questions Emily asked just recently is, why is there a season for baseball? Now, they're in Savannah, Georgia. So the question is, why can't we play baseball all year long? Why, we can't, why can't we play baseball 365 days a year? Why can't we have a, a Halloween game, have a midnight at New Year's Eve game? They're looking at things like that. Now, just think about 
all the implications of that. Baseball is a very traditional, historically proven sport. They've do it, they're doing it the same way they've done it. I mean, Jesse knows that nine innings is way too long. I mean, it's, it's too long. So he's looking at, at ways to shorten the game up. You know, so it's not three and a half hours. You know, what if it's two hours, almost half the time? So there are ways to do something that's been done the same way differently. And therein lies an opportunity. Well, Jesse's full, full of doing that. I'm going to have him on as a Monday mentor in the 40 Days Eagles community this next month. And that's why I've talked to a lot of these people, like Jeremy Coward as well. He's going to be one of our Monday mentors. So, you know, if you're a member of the 48 Days Eagles community, you'll get to hear expansions on these stories to stimulate your own thinking about what could you do differently right now? Well, Jeremy Coward is a professional photographer. Boom. COVID comes along, March, everybody cancels. They're not going to come into your studio. You aren't going to be able to go travel to see them. There goes all your traveling with celebrities where you get paid big bucks to do the photography. You aren't going to do speaking engagements. Well, what do you do? As Jeremy described to me, I'm an artist. I mean, that's what he is as a creative. He's an artist. So when this happened, he essentially has a blank canvas. That being an empty schedule, but in his mind, it's a blank canvas. What does an artist do when you sit down to a blank canvas? You create something new. He's been doing that. He did some marvelous work around the Black Lives Matter, um, the, all the attention that that was getting. He created some things having to do with that. He started doing virtual photography where somebody schedules with him. They show up via Zoom. He helps them get positioned and he does the photography and then his magic all done virtually. He's done 1,200 photo photography sessions in the last six weeks. I mean, that's more than most photographers are going to do in two years. He's done it in six weeks. He pivoted that quickly in, in doing creative things, doing it differently. Well, again, Jeremy's going to be a guest with us. I'm going to have him on the third Monday in September to talk about the projects that he's doing again to stimulate your thinking. I hope you join us there. All right. This question comes from Seden who says, Dan, I'm making my way through the latest, greatest edition of 48 days. Stumbled on a piece of your guidance on self-education in chapter three, a terrific chapter that provoked a thought. You recommend reading or listening to at least 12 personal growth books a year. I myself read 50. So we got a book per month versus a book per week. This prompted me to ask your opinion on what seems like a silly question, but would you consider this over-reading? I confess to being very drawn to knowledge, but I'm wondering if you'd consider a book a week too much knowing and not enough doing. As an additional aside, do you have any opinions on the mix of reading for general personal growth versus nonfiction versus vocation specific reading versus et cetera. Maybe overkill to dive that deep, but would be interested in your thoughts. Thanks again for your 48 days ministry. Longtime listener Seaton. Well, thanks for your question. And, and I love your question and it's very legitimate. Let's just kind of unpack this. Why do you read? Reading is to increase knowledge. Very legitimate, increased knowledge, but knowledge by itself doesn't change anything. It never puts money in our bank account. 
But when you go from knowledge to understanding to application, you can change yourself, your financial situation, and your future. Now, in working with people who want to start a business, I mean, I often see them spend six months or a year doing nothing but increasing their knowledge. They never put a penny in the bank. They don't have a business at all. You have a business when somebody gives you money for something that you can put in your bank account. So you've heard me talk, I'm sure, about this, the 15 hours that we recommend. If somebody has 15 hours to devote to building a business, fantastic. Use three hours of that and three only. Reading, studying, gathering new knowledge. That's 20%. Five hours and creating content. If you're going to be writing a book or working on a course or developing a coaching packages or building gazebos that you're going to sell or whatever it is, you're actually creating content four hours, then working directly with your clients and then another three hours marketing your efforts to build your brand and reputation. So the question really is, are you hoping that you're reading leads you to increasing your income or starting your own business or growing a business you already have. I mean, if so, then you need to combine that with other components, the understanding application, creating content, you know, working with clients, those kind of things. Now I'm not sure though, in your case, I mean, are you just reading because you just enjoy reading? I mean, if you just enjoy the intellectual kind of stretching your thinking I mean, certainly I don't think 50 books a year is too many. I mean, I certainly do that as well. Um, Now, I slow down when I'm writing. When I'm writing, I slow down in my reading. Now, you ask about the mix of reading for general personal growth versus nonfiction and so on. Again, this comes down to really just personal interest. I don't read fiction. Now, my wife, Joanne, reads a ton of fiction. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't engage me. I don't read that. I don't read any non, I don't read any fiction at all. But I read a lot of things. Like I read a lot of things in the spiritual arena that I don't necessarily agree with, but I wanted to stretch my current beliefs. I want to continue growing in that area. So I read things that stretch me. I read things that just stretch how I think. I mean, I'm reading right now, Becoming Superhuman by Joe Dispenza. It's a really deep book that just challenges how we think. And I'm just going through it because it's it's very, very enjoyable to be going through it. So give yourself a little break here. I don't think reading 50 books is too much. However, if you want it to be leading you to increasing your income or growing a business, then make sure that you're spending more time in the actual application and execution of ideas than in reading. So if you're spending more than 20% of your time that you have dedicated to growing your business in reading, then I'd say, yeah, it's too much. You need to back off a little bit. Well, hey, just a reminder here. These are real life questions. I love getting your questions in, hearing your success stories as we're going through today. And then also questions where you may be a little stumped or you want to just stretch your thinking and shoot those into me at askdan at 48days.com. Again, that's askdan at 48days.com. Well, here's a question from Jim. He says, hello, Dan. I pray that you are well. I've had to retire one year earlier than I planned due to COVID-19. My wife and I are in our mid-60s. We're looking for part-time work that we would enjoy and that would produce $20,000 a year to supplement our Social Security. 
Your suggestions would be very helpful. I first read No More Mondays in 2009. It's helped me in my career since. Thanks for your time. God bless you and your family, Jim. Well, Jim, thanks for your note. My goodness, I love your setup. You're in your mid-60s. You want to generate another $20,000 to supplement Social Security. What a great, great goal, and what a great place to start. Now, you said that you have No More Mondays. Now, in No More Mondays, I talk about a lot of stories that I hope just stimulated your thinking. I mean, I talked about uh, Louis D. Raimondo, who decided he, well, he saw a hot dog vendor, and he, he bought a hot dog, and then he saw a for sale sign hanging on the cart. So on impulse, he spent $1,500, set up his own business, but in his hurry to get his business up and running, selling hot dogs, he forgot to remove the for sale sign. So the first day he sold more than a hundred hot dogs, but what intrigued him the most was the number of people asking if they could buy the cart. Today, he sells more than 4,000 carts a year out of a Miami showroom. He now has flower carts, pretzel carts, coffee carts, in addition to the original hot dog stands, and generates more than $30 million annually selling carts. Now, I I love that. I love the the pivot in his thinking. He thought he was just going to sell hot dogs, and then he saw there were more questions about buying the hot dog stand than the hot dogs themselves. Wow, I love those kind of ideas. Other ideas I've got in there is about Jim Hodges, who reads books. He came out of the military, was wondering what to do. He had a background in education and thought he'd have to go back into a classroom, but wasn't looking forward to it. And his wife asked him that great question, Jim, you know, if money were no object, what would you do? And he says, I'd sit around the house all day and read old history books. Well, guess what Jim does? Pretty much that. He sits around the house. He brings old history stories to life in books uh, like the the GW, G.H. Henty books, I think it is, about history that are old enough they're in the public domain. So he doesn't have to worry about copyrights or royalties or anything. And he reads those stories and brings them to life, creating audio products that are then sold primarily to homeschool kids. So he and his wife go around, and they visit eight or 10 homeschool conferences. Of course, now they're doing that online, but they have a, a nice, comfortable, uh, multiple six-figure income from selling the product that he creates. And you can you can check him out, Jim Hodges, H-O-D-G-E-S. I'm sure you can just search that, find his website. And he's been doing that a long time and makes an incredible income by just simply reading books. I talk about that. I talk also in there, in No More Mondays, about my friend Larry Dobbs, who lives down in Florida. We've already communicated. We're going to get together with our wives for dinner. But uh, he dropped out of school at 15 years old. Didn't like school at all. Started working with his uncle who had a mechanic shop. So he started working on cars. But he also started a little newsletter that he put together called Mustang Monthly because he was a Mustang owner. And then he added Mopar Madness. He started, kept adding other kind of car magazine titles to that, built it significantly. And then fortunately, because, you know, magazine sales have changed in the last few years. But this is a few years ago, he built that business. He sold it to Peterson Publishing for $18 million. But I got a lot of stories like that in No More Mondays. Of course, it's now, when it went into paperback version, uh, it was, it's now called No More Dreaded Mondays. But you can find it easily, check it out. 
Also, Jim, I would recommend for your 48 low or no cost business ideas. These are real live business ideas that people have done. And there's certainly, you could take anyone in there and certainly anticipate generating $20,000 a year. Now in the back of that book, in the back of 48 lower no cost business ideas, I also link to another resource that gives you another 999 ideas. Now this is just a process where you go through and you filter the ideas by what you know about yourself. This relates to an earlier uh, clip that we've got here. But this this relates to how do you find the right idea? Well, you find the right idea by looking at yourself first and use that as a filter. Then you can look at what kind of idea fits me. I mean, I've got in there ideas like uh, kettle corn, where you make kettle corn or we show up at a, a street fair or festival. Well, if you don't enjoy being around a lot of people, that's not going to be a good idea. It doesn't matter how well it's worked for somebody else. It may not be a great idea for you if you're more introverted. So find an idea that matches what you know about yourself. Well, thanks for your question, Jim. Got a question here. I'm going to play an audio clip on this, and I'm going to tell you how I've already responded to it. But again, just a great setup. So here's, here's the audio question. I'm Mark Booker. I am a landscape architect who has six, uh, six states where my projects have been built. I currently live in Florida, and I want to do a online consulting and production of plans for the high-end residential area, and I'm concerned about maybe not doing the right way of approaching this it will be an online adventure. It will be something that I can do right at my home base. I have CAD programs and so forth. And it, the question is, which coach do you suppose would help me get this thing rolling? I am a landscape architect, and I am an expert in it. I just don't know how to transition it to the online thing as smooth as I can. Thanks. Well, hey, I appreciate your question, and I have a coach for you. You know, this is, this is the power of connection. I mean, uh, one of the things that I love doing is connecting people. Now, I'm going to tell you who I'm going to connect you with here in just a second. But as an example, in having just released 48 Days to the Work You Love, and of course, we're getting a lot of feedback on that already because it's the brand new 20th anniversary edition of that book. So when that came out, I set out when I would, I mean, I, do, I just did this. I, I haven't been real strategic because the book has a lot of momentum out there for which I'm grateful, but I haven't been real strategic about the timing on this or the push for it. But just a couple of weeks ago, I sent out to about 50 influencers, two copies of that book, which is what the updates are, knowing that I'll get a lot of requests for podcast interviews as a result of that or being on radio, TV, those kind of things. The reason I know I can get that without blinking an eye is because of the relationships that have been established over the years with those people. So when I reach out to them, sure, they want to have me on. I'm scheduling podcasts, you know, pretty aggressively right now. 
And I'll be doing a lot of those. And I committed to my team that I do 48. It's not something I want to spend my full time doing, but I agreed to do 48 podcast interviews. And of course, that'll drive sales of the book. But the reason that it's easy to put those together because of relationships with people like Andy Andrews, you know, who immediately reached out, geez, Dan, when can I get you on? Well, you know, Andy's a, a great voice out there as a big audience and people like Roger Whitney mentioned you as a big online community. So I'm lining up interviews with these people. Now here's what I'm going to recommend for you because you're a landscape architect. I'm going to connect you with Jeff McManus. Jeff is in my personal mastermind. Jeff is head of landscaping at Ole Miss. And he consistently is ranked the most beautiful college campus in the nation. What he's done, though, has not just rested in the success that he has at Ole Miss, and it's a lot of success, but he wrote a book titled Weeders into Leaders, how to take kids who are making minimum wage, but give them the pride of what they're doing and teach them leadership skills letting them know that what they do is not just pulling weeds. What they do is part of recruiting, you know, the next Peyton Manning, you know, at Ole Miss, those kind of things. He's then leveraged that book into speaking opportunities. That book opened the door for him to work with people like Dan Cathy, who's CEO of Chick-fil-A. Dan is building a massive new village, really, and also a big, big project, 35-acre project in, a, in downtown Atlanta. And Jeff is consulting on that now because of leveraging what he was doing at Ole Miss. He's also created a landscaped university, which is being brought into universities, and he's teaching this to other companies. Jeff is a great resource for what you want to do, and I'm delighted to, to connect you. I'll make a personal introduction to Jeff so you, you can have – and he, he's going to be an amazing coach to help you do exactly what it is you want to do. Well, let me grab another one here. Mike's, Mike says, Dan, I've been working through the 40 days process. I'm looking to make a move to being self-employed at the end of this year. I'm a CPA and I've built strong relationships with many of my clients. I know that once I make my move, I'll have at least some of them want to leave the firm and continue working with me. I would also like to keep a good relationship with the firm and those I have worked with. My question, what is the ethical way to leave and take clients with me? Well, my answer is you can't do that. Now, let me frame that a little bit, but that would be highly unethical to leave a CPA firm and then recruit the people that you've been working with personally there as clients to come with you. Just that's going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. A couple of things you need to be really clear on. One is, do you have any kind of non-compete with the company that you're with? I mean, it's pretty common these days for anybody who brings somebody on in a professional organization like that to have them sign a non-compete because they know there's a potential for exactly what you're describing and they want to make sure that doesn't happen. So people are having to sign non-competes I mean, left and right. So make sure that you don't have that in place. You may not. I mean, if you've been there a long, long time, had a great relationship with the people when they brought you in, you may not have that. But it would still, even if you aren't legally prohibited from doing that, it would be a horrible, horrible mistake to leave and then recruit those people. 
What I would suggest that you do, knowing when you are going to make your move, is that you have a conversation with the owners of the current firm and simply tell them, you know, you appreciate the time you've had there. Now, make sure you're really prepared to go out on your own before you have this conversation. But when you are prepared to go out on your own, let them know that your plan is to, in 30 days from now, 60 days from now, whatever, that you're planning to go out on your own, that you're you know, going to be more independent, and that you'll be looking for your own clients. But make it clear you're not going to be recruiting from there. I mean, this could get messy real quick. However, that being said, when you go on your own, you establish yourself. Sure, you're going to have some people who find you. And if they find you and decide to come with you, I mean, that's very legit. You can do that. But don't yeah, this is a dicey kind of thing. You do not want to leave a trail of ill will behind you. You want the, the firm, you know, let the firm know what areas of specialty you'd really like to do. You may establish a great referral system from the current firm where they're overloaded and they recognize that somebody who's inquiring with them would be a great fit for you and they refer to you. You may want to specialize in businesses that have revenues that are between 500,000 and 2 million. That may be too small for what your current firm wants to deal with. You know, identify something that's going to make you unique and different from what they're doing. So it's not direct competition. I commend you on wanting to get out in your own. My goodness. I mean, the CPA I work with, I mean, she comes to work with me uh, once one day a month. She used to work for a firm, decided to go out on her own, but she was very clear on the kind of organization she wanted to work with. You know, entrepreneur run organizations that did not have a lot of employees, causes that she really believed in as she does what we do here at 48 Days. So she was more mission driven and she didn't just go to the kind of clients she was working with previously who were more just the traditional kind of corporate clients. So identify your uniqueness, build on that, Go out, have a great time. Well, hey, golly, this time passes quickly, as always. Love this time, answering your questions, unpacking these things together. If you got a question, be sure to send that in to askdan at 48days.com. Be delighted to include it. Remember our quotation for today? People suffer when they chase a dream that doesn't belong to them. And our resource for today was the readiness quiz to see if you really are an entrepreneur. Just go to 48days.com slash entrepreneur. You can find it there. Hey, I encourage you, be creative in this time. Wow, this is a wonderful time to do things that haven't been done before, to break old patterns of sameness. Ask, why has it always been done like this? Why do we have a baseball season? Why can't we play ball 365 days a year? I love those kind of approaches. Let me know what you're doing to do things that are different, to do things that are breaking old patterns of sameness and mediocrity and boredom. Move into those. Find your unique gift, how you can move it forward. Hey, we got a lot of feedback from last week's episode where I unpacked the Dreamers documentary. God, I love to hear from you who are dreamers, who know you are. You're committed to something big, seems impossible, but you know you're going to keep moving toward that. Keep letting us know what it is you're doing in that arena. And thanks for being part of this growing community. A lot of you are already in the 48 Days Eagles community. Love interacting with you there. We go deep on some of these topics there. 
But uh, thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can, no matter what's happening around us right now, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.